My theory is that you've recently met like your younger self somehow and have obtained some sort of book on sports betting from the future. And I will sue anyone who tries to tell me that that was a movie. <laughs> Not getting in trouble for copyright infringement again. We play on. Neil, we're going to week 17. Zeke does it. Pulls the come from behind. What a game. What a game. I'd like to point out I called that. Everybody yeah, got mean, all upset about me calling it. <laughs> you it said it was well. over on Saturday, and, and that I, certainly did not look like the case if Travis Kelsey had his way. I have faith in Ezekiel Elliott. But After Zeke he's ravaged a big twice one, this year, I've, I've learned. <laughs> and, uh,. Kevin's team rallies. He wins in week 16 to force the winner-take-all match that we love And also so to continue much. the streak. Continue the streak. Can't be the first one to go down without going around round two. Can't do it. And again, what's people love about this is there's no bad beat. That's what they love about the double elimination format. And I, I know you're a fan of it. I love this. This has been spectacular. And what's worked out so beautifully with the double elimination in my mind it's not just the team winning week 16 to force the week 17. So this is the third year we've done it. In 2014, the two teams that were undefeated that went to the undefeated final were Eric and Joe. And Eric lost, went down to the triple threat, came back up, beat Joe in week 16, and then again in 17 to win the title. And then last year, of course, as you know, it was you and Brian. You lost, went down to the triple threat, came back up, won it in week 16 to force week 17, and won the title. So this is happening again. It was the two teams in the undefeated bracket. Kevin goes down, comes back up, wins week 16, and now we'll see what happens in week 17. So it's not just a double elimination bracket. It's essentially the last three years now been a best two out of three to decide yeah. the championship. And that's it's been spectacular. It's all about getting hot at the right time. They both have have managed that. They've both been hot more or less all year. Consistent points, at least. So it's been and good. As you did mention last week, it kind of felt like Steve was due, right? Like he's made all the right decisions all season long, and it felt like he was due to kind of not do that this week. And while he did almost win that game, the <laughs> amount of points left on his bench, staggering. I gotta say, it's gotta be like the saltiest loss ever. I, it just, it's I saw some possible. of the text messages he was sending, and it's just like, oh god, I was sitting at home at home on Christmas Eve watching Adam Thielen, who I spectacularly cut, cause I am just that good at fantasy football, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I cut him, he gets him for a dollar, and then no one expects him to put up a 50, and Sam Bradford just stopped targeting anyone else. That game was bizarre, and, just every decision panned out the wrong way all at once. So again, looking at his bench from last weekend, taking out the Titans, he had the Titans defense playing against Jacksonville on his bench. If you remove that from the equation, he had 140.6 points on his bench. Just on his bench. 32 from Cousins, 21 from Parker, 25 from Tevin Coleman, a 51 from Adam Thielen. That's just so ridiculous. A 10 from Jeremy Lankford, and then uh, he had four points from Jeremy Macklin. So again, I mean, the taking the Titans' defense out of it, the six guys he had on his bench combined for 137, 
and his nine starters combined for 108. Oh yeah, and it, it's just, I, I could see, I could tell he was just so unhappy about it. And the thing about that too is, like you said, he's kind of been due for it. He, he's been so red hot picking the right matchups all season long basically the kick now is after he's been right all year he went with his gut last week and it was wrong and now you got to worry about the yips now you're thinking okay i just had i just had to win one game and i made all these choices and it all went bass backwards on me so now he's coming into this week do i trust my gut or do i go against my instinct and that's the tricky part for him with kevin it's kind of up and straightforward more or less. It's, it's kind of, you, you go with the guys that got you there because you don't really have any other option. Just the, Yeah, and he's got some other weirdness because it's a Week 17 game, which we try to minimize this by giving you an opportunity to end it without you having to play this game. Yeah, you had because there's, that's, that's the thing, you get the out, but it's because if you can't do it, now you got to play this crazy game. Where if you go look at the transactions, you'll see what I'm talking about. Where it's like, okay, well now you're in a position where all of a sudden like Fitzgerald Toussaint is probably going to be one of your starting He's running backs. going to decide backs. a championship. Yeah, and then, oh, this happens every year when you play to Week 17. It's like some random, I won a title with Jamal Charles before anybody knew who Jamal Charles was. He right. was the guy who got the opportunity because Priest Holmes was sitting out the last game of the year. Right, I won a title with Rashad Jennings when he was the backup to Maurice Jones-Drew yeah. in Jacksonville. In a world where I've played Denard Robinson deep into the playoffs because he's legitimately going to be playing in Week 17, <laughs> no one else will be. You end up making some weird decisions here, so we'll go through it when we get into the game line properly. But yeah, there's that weirdness that always comes around. Speaking of winning a championship, I did hold on and win my work league this past weekend. Yes, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. tackling that. dummies you call opponents in that, yes. in that league, apparently. The guy who's playing Theo Riddick despite he's hurt. Yeah. In his defense, he took out Theo Riddick and put in T.J. Yeldon, who left the game immediately and had a .5. So that did that did happen. All right. Well, at least he made the roster move. Yeah, that he was did make a roster. That was more my critique was not making a roster move. The championship game is like really. Yeah, but look, really? I mean, if, if I'm gonna sit here and you know have this podcast with you and call myself a fantasy expert, I gotta win something somewhere. So yeah, I'll, I'll take point. it. I'll take what I can get. Good point. You gotta take it. Yep. Absolutely. You also cut Adam Thielen, by the way. So don't try and sure shy did. away. Yeah, both of us so, so good at fantasy football. <laughs> now, again, I told you, the only reason I'd cut Thielen in that league, it's not keeper. It's not a keeper league. So I was like, you know what? He literally, I knew I wasn't going to start him this week, and uh, it meant more to me to try to get running backs than yeah. to uh, to hold on to Adam Thielen on a bench spot. So, right. And my point, by the way, cutting him, I told you off air, was I cut Adam Thielen because I'm looking for more kind of surefire things at wide receiver and i'm not entirely done deciding on what i want to do there but i just you know i just don't see myself ever keeping adam Thielen, even at the end of the draft just because i don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year and they have like five good receivers on that team including the quad treadwell who didn't play this year so i don't know what is going to happen with all that like are they going to keep all five of those guys like it's patterson Charles Johnson, is it still going to be Bradford? Diggs. Are they going to go back yeah. to Bridgewater? Or is it Bridgewater? And it's like, I don't know any of this. So it's like, okay, there's too much uncertainty here for me to want to keep Adam Thielen. And also, no one predicted a 50-point game. By the way, I have to ask, we have to look this up. Is that the single highest fantasy point total for one player this year? The 51? That's pretty high. I can check, but I'm pretty sure it is not. Definitely up there for this year in terms of point total for a single game. Basically, he didn't need to make any all, all the right calls. That's why I say it was salty. He didn't need to make all the right calls. 
He just needed to make one right call. And that's the dilemma that you and me are kind of in right now, is we have players on our roster that mean nothing to us, that we're not going to keep going into next season. And, like, again, like, there's no way I'm keeping Jordy Nelson. So I've got no need for him on my roster right now, but at the same time, I'm not just going to cut him so that one of these two guys fighting for a championship can go pick him up. That's the kind of dilemma that we're in right now, is I'd like to have some other flyers, but I can't cut any of the players I have because they're usable for the champions. You cut Adam Thielen thinking, oh, there's no way anybody would use him, and uh, it looks like Flynn's going to trot him out there now for Week 17. Clearly, I was wrong about that. By the way, uh, Julio scored a 54 for me against Kevin back in Week 4. Okay. So he's right up here at the top of the total. Otherwise, he is the third person to cross the 50-point plateau this year. Yeah. You only get so many of those in a year. Pretty remarkable game for him. People I can cut off my roster include Doug Martin, who decided to be stupid. Uh, what the hell? We were talking about this before as well. Sort of makes sense, because this like private dismissal, that was trying to keep it quiet that he was going to go, it got blown up real quick. Seems like he's been doing drugs, which if you look at the last few years... And again, they said sense. it was like... Remember a few weeks back, he was healthy, and then all of a sudden he missed a game and was out for a couple of weeks for with an undisclosed injury. Well, it turns out that undisclosed injury was him doing, like, rehab and trying to kick whatever habit he was on. So then he comes back, plays for two weeks, and is terrible. And then this week, going into the game, he's a healthy scratch. Now, you and me are done. So the game that we, quote-unquote, played, according to the website, meant nothing, and the points don't count for anything. So, of course, we would score 180 and 178. Sure. Yeah, sure. And by the way, it, it's always nice to keep track of that and know that right now I'd be in the championship and go into a week 17. It's, I mean, it always sure. feels great. Yeah. Right? Yep. <sighs> Me too. Salt on top of salt. <laughs> anyway. Okay. All right. A little more of that. That's got to end because I'm, <laughs> I was just over this. Sorry, all right. I made a breakthrough. I poked the bear. All right. I, yeah. I admit a breakthrough in group here. All right, it, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. <laughs> yeah, apparently he was a healthy scratch this weekend, and I was like, "What the hell's up with that?" Like literally two hours before the game started, they announced it. I saw that, and I was like, "That's a." It was bizarre to come out of nowhere, and now we find out today that uh, he failed a drug test again. He's going back to rehab again. He's been suspended by the NFL for four weeks. So uh, he'll miss this week and the first three games of next season, whoever he's playing for, because the Buccaneers have said it will not be with them. Yeah, he's done with uh, Tampa Bay. So makes their running back situation really interesting. He has to sign a contract uh, somewhere, and then he would serve the first three games of his or the next three games of his suspension with whatever team that is. I don't know if Doug Martin is going to be playing in the NFL much longer, to be honest, unless he comes back and is just like cut from solid stone and is running people over i mean it's it's going to be tough for him to get back on an nfl roster at this point and uh i mean you, you talked about the running back situation uh for them we'll get into that obviously next year the interesting one that i've heard floated around is leonard fournette oh oh so you don't think they try and run jaquiz rogers and charles sims is like the dynamic duo <laughs> i just think that'd be a very interesting addition uh to to have that big monster of a human back there running behind yeah, Jameis I mean, Winston. Lot of sense. And that, that offense what is Dirk, would be The question uh, is, what does Dirk Cutter want? Like, what does Dirk Cutter want versus what's Well, that available? makes sense, I could also because, make I mean, the argument look, he, that... he favors Charles Sims and Jacquees Rogers anyway. So, I mean, yeah. it's Fournette fits that mold, would fit that offense, I think, and would be 
a scary addition for the other teams in the NFC South. I think the other one could also be if he's still hurt and he hangs around till the end of the till a little bit later than people might think. Christian McCaffrey, uh, Stanford, true, be interesting. But he'd be he's going to be interesting wherever he plays. It's just a question of what system he lands in. I think Dirk Cutter can get something out of him. But again, we'll we'll go into all that in the off season. We'll have off season podcasts down the line, way off in the distance. Still working on Neil's yeah. imaginary contract. Uh, yeah, we'll work out all those details. Just give me all my demands, and then we don't have to work on it anymore. It's yeah. simple. It's well, look, it's very hard to write all those demands in invisible ink. So, I mean, you it gotta is. give me a little bit of time here. There's like three clauses about how you have to get me an elephant. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh it's gonna be yeah, tough. It's pretty tricky, actually. Where's my elephant? <laughs> Still in Pakistan somewhere. Jesus. But uh. Well, I try to work out those uh, those papers. Have you even learned Urdu yet? I have not. And to be honest, I've been <laughs> oh. too focused on my pigs can pick them, which is why I dominated oh, okay. it so no. thoroughly this weekend. <sighs> it's uh, this guy. Woo! Sad Christmas. I mean, it was Christmas come early for me <laughs> because that was just spectacular. So this past week in pigs can pick them, I got 13 of the 16 games. I got all three of our splits. So this is this yeah. is this what you feel like on most weeks? This is nice. This is yeah, real it's, good. It's pretty good. You ride you ride pretty high when you when you get like that. You had ten as a result. Uh Kevin with nine and Brian down with eight. I mean, how the mighty have fallen. Brian's been working on the drinking games for the for the yes, podcast. Exactly. I will post that. That's gotta be. I will have that posted by the way for everyone uh, Brian, to enjoy. Brian, I didn't text you back, but but I enjoyed that. That was that was, was well done. Spectacular. My favorite is the under the microscope. That is just spectacular. <laughs> so dumpster fire for anybody out there playing the drinking yeah, game in a vacuum. That's right. Roll of the dice. So here we go. Uh, Brian. After that. So after that week, Brian with one ten, still our leader. You and me now tied at one o three. I closed the gap and going into the final week. We are tied. In it's pretty good, you, because you were pretty much DOA yeah. at oh, one yeah. point. Like Kevin was catching you without inputting picks. Yeah. It was a. My theory I, is that you've recently met like your younger self somehow and have obtained <laughs> some sort of book on sports betting from the future. Yeah. And I will sue anyone who tries to tell me that that was a movie. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not getting in trouble for copyright infringement again. So uh, heading into the final week of the season, it's basically just you and me fighting for second, jockeying for position, because there's no way we'll catch Brian unless he decides not to input any picks this week. We'll see. I mean, just saying, Brian, you could take one. He couldn't. Just get too distracted by his drinking games. Not gonna, but (laughs) so uh, we'll dive into pigskin pick 'em. Remember, there's no Thursday game, no Saturday game, no Monday game. It's all on Sunday this week, so you get all your uh, NFL fill on one day. Scott Hansen, baby. So much Just Scott Hansen. Big old Scott Hansen hug from the universe this weekend. And some good games that would be entertaining if, like, all the teams weren't basically sitting out. Right, so this <laughs> one is going to be so bizarre. We start with a crazy matchup, the Bills and the Jets. Yes. We got the news earlier today that Rex Ryan and, of course, his brother have been fired from the Bills, all because, apparently, the Bills want to sit Tyrod Taylor they don't want to win this game. They want to get a better draft pick, and uh, they don't want to risk playing Tyrod Taylor because if he gets injured, all of his contract is guaranteed for next season. So to avoid that, they're benching Taylor. They're starting EJ Manuel, and they're going on the road to face the Jets, who are yep just as much, if not even more, pathetic. They're like they're like dumpster fire with 
kerosene. So this was a dumpster fire of a game anyway. And now you're just going to roll the dice and you're going to put in EJ Manual and uh, look, in a vacuum, I get what they're doing. But oh, this yeah. is just going to be such a dumpster fire. This is one where they don't care about the outcome of the game. They're already on to next season. I agree with all of your analysis, by the way, except for the one part where you said Rex Ryan was fired just because of this decision. I would argue that it's not just because of this decision. It's because of, like, 40 no, other no, no, decisions. Sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> he was going to be fired regardless. He was fired that seems like now the right because yeah, of because the decision of... to play Tyro Taylor. They would have fired him at the end of this game, but instead they did it now right. so they could bench Tyro Taylor. And and the sad thing is there's this really cynical part of me that wants to take the Bills just because of how bad the (laughs) Chiefs Look, 85% of the public's on the Bills right now, so you want to... I'm sure they are, but I'm sure 85% of the public isn't paying that close of attention to it. So it's just a question of, like, can Petty actually be an NFL quarterback for 60 minutes? I have yet to see this. Yeah, but I have seen EJ Manuel play football, and it's not good. I have done that, too, and it's like eye cancer, so it's... I have no idea how EJ Manuel is still in the Look, NFL. I'm going to take the it's Bills, just... and it's because it's LaShawn McCoy against the Jets defense. Yeah, and it's the Bills. It's the Bills. We're going to have plenty of splits this week, I can tell. <laughs> I was thinking about going contrarian on this one, but to be honest with you, I had it. I had this one on my sheet, like circle to talk about, and mostly because of the firing. But yeah, just, just give me the Bills. We're going to have plenty of splits. Yeah. So is... in Minnesota, our next game, the Vikings and the Bears. I hate this so much. It hasn't even started yet. Neil, so angry. I have the Vikings, and I'm not happy about it. Because I honestly believe the Bears are probably going to win this game. Because it's exactly the opposite. Sorry. It's exactly the opposite of of what the Bears should be doing. They should be throwing this game, tanking this game, and not getting anywhere near winning. And they're going to win. But I'm going to take the Vikings just because I pray that sanity prevails and the Vikings actually show up and look remotely competent for one last game. Everything you said about the Bears winning games they shouldn't is absolutely correct. We have gone through this entire season. I have not picked the Bears a single time with good reason. And when I did my NFL predictions at the beginning of the season, the Bears, who are currently 3-12, and I said they would go 4-12. and I got the Bears. Go Bears! It's the one and only pick I am taking for Chicago this season in a game they should not win at all. Yeah. And they will go absolutely because uh why yep. have a decent draft pick? Why? Why you know, why bother? You know, to even trying. It's just uh I know they're gonna win this game. I've I've just you and I have watched too much Bears absolutely. football. This is <laughs> what they do. It, and this is why I said I knew we were gonna have a bunch of splits. Because I'm taking the Vikings and I'm taking logic and reason and sanity, <laughs> but I just don't feel good about it. Like it, you know what I mean? It's just what has that ever exactly. got? Yeah. Uh, Ravens, Bengals, in a game that means nothing to either team at this point. Except for the hatred that they both have for each other. It will apparently be the final game of Steve Smith's career. So he yeah. says. We'll see how that actually I believe that. And I believe that. Apparently when it'll be the final game of Marvin Lewis's career as well. Yeah, like three years too late. Congratulations on that. My God. <laughs> so in a game that nobody wants, I will take the yeah. Ravens and their skill position players in what will be a close battle. I'm taking the Ravens because it is Steve Smith's last game. He is going to demolish the Bengals. Just take them apart piece by piece. And if he does that and they win like 28 to nothing and he has 200 yards, yeah, he probably does retire. You have the Steelers' B team 
at home taking on the Browns. They've already announced that Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell will all be sitting this one out. They will be in street clothes on the sideline. (sighs) God. If the Browns were a competent football team, it'd be so tempting to take the Browns here. Oh, I mean, we went into vivid detail last week about how we knew they would win that game, and sure enough, they did, because San Diego being San Diego. But even the Steelers' B team... I feel is competent enough to win a 17-14 game over the Browns. I, I look, I also have the Steelers. I'm taking the Steelers, but it's the same thing with the Bears. The Browns have no business right. winning they this They absolutely should lose, they so should, they'll win. should lose this game because they can lock up the first-round draft pick for next year. All you have to do is just be the Browns. I'm taking the Steelers, but I, this is another one where it's like I could easily see them winning this game and screwing themselves out of a good draft, like of the number one draft pick. And it, I could just see this. It's just got Cleveland all over it, but yeah. Again, logic and reason. Give me the Steelers. You got Cowboys, Eagles. Yeah. I'm going to take. This is a tough one. Again. This is a hard one. All these games are so much harder because of the backups playing. Yeah. And the Eagles, you know, aren't going to play their backups. And you know that even though it's a meaningless game, the Eagles want nothing more than to get a win against the Cowboys because they hate them. It means something. They're going to have Carson West out there. This game this last week against the Giants. They're at home. Yeah. It means something to them. It, it means something to them. It's a division game, and they want to win to save everybody's jobs and contracts for next year. Because I think the Eagles, despite not going to the playoffs, actually think that they're on to something there. I actually have the Eagles in this one, and I feel awful about uh, look, it. Because I mean, I'm like I said, Dallas does. Yeah, that. I don't blame you. I'm taking the Eagles at home just because I think either the Cowboys are going to win it three quarters, or they're just going to – that's it. They're just going to be – sub it out just to not get people killed. I really don't see the Cowboys playing this whole Absolutely. game. With all but I'm going to go with it my logic, and you will hear this again later when we do our preview. I like, I mean, half, the Cowboys playing for half the game, I think is good enough to beat the Eagles. I think they can get up big enough in the first half that it's not going to matter, and I, I'm, I'm going to take the Cowboys. And then what happens? I mean, they, I sit, could... the, they sit the starters, and it's going to be Tony Romo and Darren McFadden. Not even convinced it'll be Tony Romo. Maybe it'll be just to get him some reps in case they need him for the playoffs at some point. If Dak, no, that's what I'm saying. I, mean, would I would think Dak's going to play most, if not all, of the game anyway. Yeah, that's the one position I don't worry about them subbing. It's just I have a feeling you're going to be looking at not Des Bryant. They'll be bitching and pouting the whole. Yeah, I just half. don't think they're going to bench enough of the team for it to matter. It's possible. I just think that if the Cowboys are going to have to play a lot of their B players, the Eagles should be able to hang. Again, it's a division game, and they're at home. If they get socked by the Cowboys, that's going to be ugly. It's going to be a bad ending. <laughs> it's a bitter taste at the end of the year. All right, next we're heading to Nashville, where Tom Savage and the AFC South champion, Houston Texans. <laughs> the saddest display of taking on the Titans. Oh, my God. Ugh. I stayed up until midnight to watch Randy Bullock shank a kick to let the tragic <laughs> Texans, you will need a bleep there, Clinch that division. Oh my god. It was the saddest display. And the text message you sent me. I don't like that. I do not. That is despicable. I thought this was going to be the best game game. we're going to get. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. That's why Randy Bullock gets all that. Oh my god. Randy Bullock. How does Randy Bullock still in the NFL? No wonder. Of course. It's a great text message, but it's just, I stayed up until midnight to watch that garbage. My whole family was up, like, watching the Titans. Like, oh, my God, they might get a shot in here, even with Marcus Mariota's leg broken. Oh, that was so great. What a game. So much violence. Once again, the defense carries the team. Texans win the game. They win the (laughs) AFC South. 
They are going to rest Lamar Miller in this game. I will bet my bottom dollar yeah, on it. Uh, yeah, they already basically said so that. So you're still going to let Tom Savage play and get the reps. But Alfred Blue will be out there, who's not yeah. terrible, as we've learned. He's never been good, but he's never... a fantasy championship, so there you go. Yeah, it's Alfred Blue. Yeah. It's, he's, you know, he is what he is. He's never going to be great, but he's And, and uh, again, against the Titans, D, I, I would be tempted to take the Titans here if Mariota was playing and they were just playing for pride here. Yeah. But uh, I, with I Matt would have Castle, here, even if they were yeah. playing for pride with Mariota. No, give me the Texans. It's just... The Texans are gonna is one of those where I agree they're gonna play their, their most of their team except for like Lamar and especially Miller. with the the young quarterback now they're kind of just trying to ride the momentum they want to just ride it into yeah. the playoffs they need the reps and they need to still keep working so they're they're they know that they're gonna do that I think and Lamar Miller will get the day off and that's for the majority of it maybe one or two defensive guys will play half a game but that's that's pretty much and that, I think that's even still gonna be the time. other AFC South battle the Jags taking on the Colts in what should be another ugly football game uh Neil I'm assuming you're gonna take the Colts here yep uh, I'm gonna take Doug Marone's Jags yeah I could see that actually just because they because Doug Marone is not an idiot really like needs Gus to win Bradley. this game yeah like, that's true, but he also really needs to win this game. I think Doug Marone wants to potentially be interviewed for this job or some mm-hmm. other job. And for some reason, they're inter- the Jags are interviewing Tom Coughlin on Wednesday, by the way. Today, yeah. it, it, uh, that freaking Nosferatu of the NFL over here will not go down, cannot get away from football. I honestly think he wants the job just to get a shot at beating the Giants in an NFL know, that'd game. That would be hilarious. It's honestly what I think he wants, and it's just like, yeah, they're gonna. If, I hope he gets the job. To be honest, because then it makes it so much more interesting for like relevant coaches to go somewhere that isn't a train wreck and a half. Like it just that that's so much better for the league. Like okay, great, hire hire Tom Coughlin. That's fine. That, that, you 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 enjoy the next ten years of your life. And again, look, my logic behind this is what was Gus Bradley doing? He kept playing it up to his defense and trying to run the ball. And they don't have yeah, running backs and they uh, don't uh, have an offensive line. So uh, why are you trying to run the ball yeah. all day? You weren't throwing the ball until you were down by 40, and it was way too late. So now Doug Marone comes in, and he says, hey, let's just chuck the ball all over the place. And, hey, look what happens. They win a game. And, oh, hey, you're going to put your best DB and double-team Allen Robinson all day? Oh, well, let's just not stick him in one spot. Let's move them all around and put him on the other side and in the slot and find their weakest DB and then throw it to him. Yep. Oh, what a concept. And then the Jags actually have two good corners yeah. now. So they have sort of a secondary at this point. They have, like, really, they do have two good corners. They have Jalen Ramsey and Prince Mukamara. I'll take that. They have certain pieces. That's why I say it's not crazy to take the Jags in this scenario. Because they're going to play for more than the Colts are. But I honestly still believe the Colts are just a better football team. Absolutely. I just That's, think that Doug Marone has kind of lit a spark under them these last, you know, week and a half. Yeah, and if they would have been smart, fired Gus Bradley like six time weeks ago. ago, like yeah. they should have. After yeah, that it would have been great. Game, like it's you just, called. Yeah, and they should have done it like in London. He should have been left there, just like, oh, you're sorry, your passport's been yeah, removed. You can ride the boat back. Yeah, go the long way. This one will be very interesting. We've got Pats Dolphins in Miami. It's a divisional matchup, which are always close. No, you know, no matter what the teams are. Yeah, even with Matt Moore, I believe again, the Pats need to win to clinch the number one seed. Because Oakland could still win and get the number one seed away from them. So they yep. do have something to play for, but it's like you said, it's Matt Moore, and that's the issue for the Dolphins. They're going to be playing to win. They want this game because if they can win and Kansas City loses, they'd actually jump up to the five seed. But, like I said, the C team is too much for most teams in the NFL. Yeah, from the, Pats. The, the Pats are going to demolish the Dolphins in a game that 
they know how to win. I don't know if they demolish them. I think they're going to put it on. I think I think they're going to play Tom Brady through the third quarter, and then I think they're going to put Jimmy Garoppolo in because they're trying to shop Jimmy Garoppolo actively. I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen those stories, the Jimmy Garoppolo being shopped around? Because this happened, I swear, football's like a carousel. So for the millionth time, it feels like, we have the backup to Tom Brady is about to hit the open market coming up here. And they want to try and deal him before that happens. So the idea is that they're going to be actively shopping Jimmy Garoppolo from now like up until the draft. And reportedly, they're saying is the... Uh, Asking price? The going yeah. rate, yeah, the asking price is going to be a first-rounder and a fourth-rounder. It feels like that price tag just gets higher and higher with every... Well, I mean, given that that's basically what Philadelphia got for Sam Bradford, I can't blame them. Yeah, it sort of makes sense. The market's there, so it, it, you know, that's smart on their part. They set the market for yeah, that. Yeah, so the, the issue is, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be the next, you know, Ryan Mallett? Or is he actually going to be somebody? So uh, I think they're hoping that the performance he put on early in the year... Plus, potentially some time in this game might be enough to help sweeten that pot if he plays well. And he'll want to play well, obviously, because he knows he's playing for some serious money potentially coming up here. And he's he's potentially good enough. So that's the question. But I, the, the Pats should just, they're going to be motivated. I think they're going to romp all over the Dolphins. So we've got Bucks, Panthers. The Bucks need seven minor miracles uh, in order to make it into the postseason. So probably not happening for them. But they're going to try. You know they're not going to lay down and just take right. it. They're playing. So uh, they are going to go out and try to win this game. They're at home. They're playing the Panthers who are reeling. And uh, I'm going to take Carolina. Yeah, I thought you might. Because I kind of feel like they're, you know, they're the defending NFC champs. Everybody's down on them. They've had an awful year. And the only thing they have to play for is uh, to kind of play spoiler here to the Bucks, and I think they're going to come out and yeah. put up points on them. I think that's probably the right call. I actually have the Bucks, and I am taking the Bucks because I think this really means a lot to Tampa Bay. They're going to be very motivated. I think the to Tampa get, Bay this season is obviously the better team, but like I said, huh? I think Carolina is just angry. That isn't necessarily yeah. yeah, I agree with you. that Carolina is angry. I think this will be a fun game to watch. I'm just I've, I'm going to go with the Bucks. Just eking it out towards the end there. In the late afternoon games, you have the Saints taking on the Falcons. Falcons playing for positioning in the playoffs. So the Falcons are playing to try to claim that number two seed, get that first round by. Um, I've got, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I've got, yeah, I've got the Falcons. I've got the Falcons in what I think will be possibly, it'll be it'll up be there for one of the better games today. Yeah, there should be a lot of you know. This, you'll be watching this on Red Zone yeah. if you don't get it. <laughs> the uh, the two late afternoon games here that'll decide the AFC West. We start with the Raiders and Broncos. Broncos doing the quarterback oh, by committee. Raiders God. doing the yeah. quarterback by default. Kevin McCarthy. Just so you know, that's what the Broncos have been reduced to. It's like a college game. <laughs> They're literally going to play both. Uh, that, I don't know if that was in any of the other markets, but here in Denver, that was one of the lead stories today was they came out and said they're going to do that. I hope that's some sort of pathetic attempt at misdirection, and they just play Paxton Lynch. But, <sighs> yeah, that's what you're faced with is they're going to play both, it sounds like. They're each going to play a half. Boy, this is brutal. Ugh. No Derek Carr. Yes. I don't know. The, the Achilles heel for the Broncos, as we know, has been running. They can defend yeah. the pass so well, so but you can run against it's run, them. It's running and run defense. <laughs> they kinda, can't run, they and can't you can run, run the, ball. the ball against them. So yeah, they, that's kinda, the yeah. Raiders don't really have a run game. Latavius Murray's been hot and cold. Jalen Richard is who knows. <sighs> yeah. And now with Matt McLown, I mean, you don't even know. I mean, you know he's bad at football. You just. Yeah, we know that. 
and it's watched it play at any that point. Denver secondary. No. Oh, they're not going to try and throw the ball. It, it, it's just it's not going to happen. I mean, it's so if, hard if, for them to move the ball in this game. They're going to try to run the ball as hard as, as they can. As much as Denver can't move the ball, and as atrocious as they are, ugh. I have the Broncos. Like I'm taking the Broncos. I feel awful about it. But if it wasn't, if it wasn't Matt McGloin, you'd take the yeah. Raiders all all day every, every day. time. But I just I'm not comfortable with Matt McGloin coming into Denver and being able to do anything. And if I'm wrong and Latavius Murray runs for 350 yards, so be it. But that's literally how I think they're going to have to win. I will game. ride with the Raiders. Have to get... And uh, we'll we'll see. Ugh. I don't like it. I'm not at all confident. I don't like any part of it. Well, I don't like any part of either game. This this probably if you wanted to go to a Bronco game, this is the one you could get mm-hmm. tickets to. <laughs> it's gonna be rough. The following game, Chiefs Chargers. The Chiefs are playing for the number two seed because they can win this game, and with a Raider loss, they would win the West. They'd get the two seed and a bye. If not, they're the five seed, and they're coming to Houston again, and that's got disaster written all over it. So oh, I yeah. want them to win. I kind of want the Raiders to lose. So that I don't have to deal with the yeah, Chiefs. Yeah, I want the Raiders to lose on general yeah. principle. So, but uh, I'm taking the Raiders because I feel more confident. Well, in it. I'm taking the Chiefs here for yeah, sure. I've got the Chiefs. Yeah, it's the Chiefs. What are you going to do about Tyreek Hill? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what are you going to do at running back for San Diego? That's the real question. Yeah, that, that too. I mean, were you asked to work out <laughs> this week? I was not. I did not get a phone call. I was a little disappointed. But in their defense, I would have failed the physical regardless. Yeah, I figured they would just be calling the phone book. Probably. Though. Like, I, mean, I don't know what's I'm left. I'm pretty sure they're warming out Jeff Fisher because he's not doing anything these days. Uh, you got the Rams taking on the Cardinals at home, last game in L.A. this year. Uh, oh, by the way, that Chiefs game, that'll be the last game in San Diego ever. So that'll be one reason to watch that one. Yeah, they'll cry in the middle of the field again, and maybe this time they'll actually leave. Yeah, I hope so. Look, that, that, that whole thing just feels so contrived to me because they're all crying. And you had like a billion opportunities to keep the Chargers in San Diego at this point. If you really wanted to do this... You could have done it. So all you're crying about is, please stay because, you know, we want you to, but we won't pay for anything. Yeah, exactly. They're all crying. Oh, we want you to stay. Don't leave. Don't take our chargers. And then on Election Day, they put in the amendment, pay this amount of money to fund a new stadium for the chargers to stay. And 72% of the public voted no. 72%. Yeah, which I get. Like, But that's a huge margin. Like, to get 72% of anybody to vote on anything is insane. And to get that much of a resounding no from the community, I'd be gone too. I'd be gone in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, that's... Let's stay here so that 38% yeah. of the public can enjoy us. That don't even come to the game, by the way. Yeah. Like, they, they go to the beach and they watch it on their little TV or whatever they got on their phone. They don't. It's San Diego. There's a million things to do there besides go to an NFL game. And they're going to go be tenants in the new football yeah, plaza. Join the Rams in L.A. Getting back to that, by the way, uh, I think the Cardinals beat down, beat down Cardinals. the Rams. Yep. Cardinals. Yep. All right, we got the Giants taking on the Redskins. The game means nothing to the Giants. means absolutely nothing to the Giants. Redskins playing for a playoff spot. So here's the scenario. If the Redskins win this game, they make the playoffs. They are your sixth seed at 9-6-1 and one, uh, because either the Packers or Lions will finish 9-7, and seven, uh, unless... They, of course, tie, which would just be hilarious. That would be. Uh, and that, by the way, is the uh, miracle scenario there, I believe, for the 
bucks. It involves a tie of some sort. Oh, God. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like seven miracles they need. But yeah. uh, if the Redskins win, they're in. Okay. Then it comes down to Packers-Lions. If the Redskins lose this game, then both the Packers and Lions are in automatically. One of them wins the NFC North and would be your four seed. The other is a wild card team as the six seed. Right, okay. So uh, Redskins playing for a playoff spot. Giants are just trying to stay healthy. Because they will be the yeah. three seed, or the, uh, I'm sorry, what would that be? Yeah, the three seed, regardless here. Um, I guess they could slip into the four, because of one of the ten and sixes, it would depend on tiebreaker and all that jazz. Yeah, it also has to do with the Giants aren't just going to let the Redskins do this. It's a division game. Or, I'm it's sorry. A thing. It's a... Let's rewind that. And we'll leave all that in, by the way. <laughs> because I'm an idiot. The the Cowboys won that division. Not the, not the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah, so the much sense. The Giants are the okay, top you. wild yeah, Cowboys, card. They're locked in at five, no matter they're what. They're the five. Yeah, they're, they're the five, and they can't move. That makes sense. Okay, that, that feeds more into what I was looking at. All right, so yeah, my thing was the Giants can't move, but they're not going right. to let the Redskins just walk so away. So this game with means nothing to the Giants, and they have to play next week in a playoff matchup, either on the road in yeah. Lambeau or on the road in Detroit, one way or the other. They do want to get their guys healthy. They've said that. They're probably going to rest their guys, whether it's half the game or the whole game. But uh, again, whenever you get a situation like this, I always take it back to the Bears of 2010 when they were hosting the Packers in Week 17, and the Packers needed a win to get in the playoffs. And they said, oh, yeah, well, we'll just let the Packers just, you know, just, just win because we want to rest our guys and play it out. And, uh, and then they let the Packers waltz into the playoffs, and the Packers win three straight games, including against the Bears in the NFC Championship game, and they go to the Super Bowl and win. Yep. So I always take it back to that. You, you, it's, you never want to see your divisional opponent waltz into the playoffs. And like you said, I think they're, that's basically what they're playing for, is to keep the Redskins out. Yeah, they just don't want to see the Redskins again. They, I think they'd be much happier with the Lions and the Packers getting in, and that way they could just kick the Redskins out for the year. And uh, that being said, I still have the Redskins. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> Game, it's at home, and they, it means a lot more to them. So it's for me, it's got to be the Redskins here. But, yeah, don't expect the the, the, uh, the Giants to just let them walk away with it. Last game of the afternoon, Seahawks-Niners in a hilarious game of a beatdown. Seahawks are uh, – <sighs> if the Seahawks weren't going to win be. this game anyway, they are playing. Uh-huh. They're playing it out because they have to win and get an Atlanta loss for them to get the two seed. So they need a win here, and they're just going to take out all their season-long frustration on the Niners and just pound them down. Yeah. I agree with that. If the Niners were a competent football team, I might I might have something else to say about that, but they're not. So, yeah. The Seahawks have to keep playing, so they're going to. Uh, and my bold prediction of the week is that the Seahawks will be up 35 at halftime, and Chip Kelly will be fired and won't come out for the second half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, can only, I, I can only get so erect. You have to. <laughs> and when it that, happens... Oh my God! The praise that... that I will be receiving from all of you, I'm sure, will be spectacular. Well, will Colin Kaepernick take a knee as well? Like all this, that. Oh God! Yeah, I mean that's part of the reason they've been losing these games I... is Kaepernick just comes out and takes oh, a knee God. on every play. Could Jed York sell the team like at halftime as well? Like all the Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and gets fu- kicked out of the NFL. Chip Kelly's fired and gets sent back down to college. Jed York sells the team out of disgust. If I'm a Niners fan, that's what I'm hoping for. Actually, probably at this point. I think that's legitimately what I'm hoping for. I think you might be onto something there. 
So uh, the Sunday night game, the last game of the 2016 NFL regular season, Green Bay and the Red Hot Packers heading to the Lions, taking on the Lions in Detroit to decide the NFC North. Neil, what do you got? I have the Packers and I hate myself. That's really the analysis. Good, because I was taking the Lions all the way in this. So uh, perfect. That works out beautifully. I'm taking the stupid pack attack because it's the stupid replay of the Hail Mary game. And they're going to win it on a Hail Mary again because the NFL is fake and scripted like wrestling. And if I'm right, then I'm sending this to Roger Goodell. <laughs> and look, my logic behind just... it is Lions aren't getting enough credit here. They're a good football team. They went into Dallas in a game that meant nothing to them. Because even if they win that game yeah. and then they come out and lose to the Packers this week, they still lose the division. They're still the sixth seed. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, that game meant absolutely nothing to them. And they were fairly competent for the first half. They just kind of laid an egg in the third quarter there when it was too late. And uh, they kind of rested everybody the rest of the way, getting ready yeah. for this big Packers because they game. know they have this huge game, and they're supposed to be getting Theo Riddick back, which is what also yeah. kind of so, scares uh, me if that they does happen. Went, That's going to be got caught looking ahead. But I also don't think they're going to have Theo Riddick, though. I don't know that, that that's not a guarantee by any stretch. So if they don't, I don't like them to be able to do anything really. Like it, it, that's the, that's the issue is that if they can't run the ball in any meaningful way and really do anything, like you said, in the second half, and they just kind of fall apart there, the Packers are just yeah, so they got caught looking so ahead, that's... in my opinion. And uh, I think they're going to come out and you know give them everything they've got. They want to win this division, not because the Giants you know would somehow be a better matchup, but simply because right. they want to win the division and just shove it in the Packers' face. Absolutely. Oh, that's the bigger thing for sure. Is the it's divisional rivalry. It's decides so much. And it's bragging rights. And plus, personally, on a personal note, I'd love to see the Lions win this game. It's our most splits of any week in the season, and we're tied. This week, week 17, week 17 is the hardest to pick. Gotta love it. You never know. So as we prepare here to preview the final uh, showdown of the season to decide the championship, we will uh, also make a note here that Mr. Flynn, 160 points down there in the lottery yeah. bracket. Well done, sir. So he also forces yep. a week 17 against Eric. That also is a winner take all. Every other matchup has been decided. So we already know Matt defeated Brett a couple weeks ago in the last place game. So Brett in 12th, Matt 11th. Last week, Brian defeated the Sandman. So he is 9th, Sandman 10. And then the 7-8 match, of course, is going on right there now in the second week of that. On our half, I defeated you in the 5-6 game. Huzzah. So uh, I'm five, you're six. And then I'd like to throw out a uh, a slap on the wrist to David. I mean, what what the hell happened there last week? In the, uh, in the third place game, he still started the Jets' defense, didn't make an adjustment, so he started the Jets against the uh, Pats and took a big negative, and he started Lamar Miller, who didn't play. Oh, yeah. I wonder if he didn't know he was playing yeah, the third there. he clearly there. did not make any roster adjustments at all and got pounded by Tony in the third place game. So Tony takes home third. Congratulations to Tony yep. on a spectacular Good job, Tony. season. Good third. Had. Good season. Uh, Good David season. comes in fourth. As a result, and of course we have our championship still going You know what, on. also good season yes. though, by the way. Bad form to finish, but good season for a first year entrant. That's good. Absolutely. But again, here we are, previewing a week 17 matchup for the championship. This championship preview brought to you by Miller Lite. Taste that thing. Beautiful. Beautifully done. 
again, as we've said several times, week 17 is always craziness. So the heads-up quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Kirk Cousins, as it has been for a while now, basically. You know, he, his other option is Jameis. And again, I mean, you, I, don't, I feel like you can't really go wrong in that scenario for him. Both guys are going to play. So it's just a question of what matchup do you like more. And I can understand why he's going to go with uh, Kirk Cousins over Jameis at this point, just having been burnt. And then uh, for running backs, that's where it gets extremely interesting for both guys. Flynn on his side with Melvin Gordon most likely not playing again. Kenneth Farrell last week, who he was relying on, goes down on the IR once again for San Diego. He went out and picked up Ronnie Hillman, who will apparently be the guy in San Diego. I mean, sure. how often can you go to that San Diego well and, and rely on that? He's sticking with Jordan Howard against Minnesota and then Tevin Coleman against New Orleans. On the other side, Kevin's going with the quiz show to quiz Rogers, who apparently is the starter all to himself all of a sudden in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Charles Sims is on IR still. So and it, Devonta Freeman against New Orleans. It's the quiz so show. It's two Atlanta running backs against each other. And again, they've had this a couple of times now where Freeman seems to be the workhorse. Coleman's the number two, but all of a sudden, you know, out of his 18 carries, Freeman will get like 67 yards and maybe one touchdown. And Tevin Coleman will have six carries the whole game, but he'll turn them for, you know, two long touchdowns for no apparent reason. Yeah, and it's the Saints, so you know they're going to score. That's the question. He's like, you know it's going to score. They're going to score. So we'll see. That's an ugly thing to have to be staring down for the (laughs) final week. So the two of them, I feel like, almost wash each other out. Would you agree with that? Because Freeman gets. It's close. Freeman gets the carries, so we have the yardage, and he gets the catches. That's the that's the key. He's that's the why I give Freeman the teeny I give Freeman the teeny edge because he catches those passes and he's and much more Coleman dynamic. is just the you know touchdown machine for no reason. Well, when they get inside the three, it's usually Tevin Coleman. Not always because I've seen Devonta Freeman get goal line work and things like that, but especially earlier this year, it was always Tevin Coleman inside the five. So we'll see if what happens. But before we move off that, by the way, people I think might look at it and say, "What are you doing with Jaquiz Rogers?" Think back. I was playing Jaquiz Rogers earlier this year and getting 15s out of him. He's having a great season. For whatever you may think of Jaquiz Rogers, he's he's small, but Dirk Cutter loves him and he paid him money for a reason. And I actually think he'd be back with Tampa Bay next year. And again, uh, for love- those that haven't been paying attention, like you said, uh, Doug Martin went down in week four. Since then, Jaquiz Rogers took over as the starting running back, basically, in Carolina in week five, who they're playing this week. On the road in Carolina, he had 19.9. Then they had their bye. He had another 19-point game, then 14. Then he got injured. He's been out, basically, since then. And then last week against New Orleans, had a 15 Point eight. So he's had some juicy matchups, but the last time they played Carolina, he got a 19.9. And every time he's been the starter unto himself, he's gotten you 15 points or better. And it's the touches. When he's on the field, he's been getting 25 plus touches. It's right. it's just it's and it's, it's a, the it same really situation he has sense. for Freeman, where he gets all the rushes and the catches. He's the yeah. you know he's the three down back for them. So then wide receivers, it's Doug Baldwin, who had a monster game against Patrick Peterson last week, so you can only imagine what he'll do to San Francisco this weekend. Yeah, it should be funny. And then Deshaun Jackson taking on the Giants. Again, if nothing else for him, this is the final audition as he's in his contract season. And like I've been reading, there's a lot of strong indicators saying he will not be back with Washington next year. And also with him, it only takes one. (laughs) Right. He only needs one. So, you know, and I, I like his odds because I think they're going to be throwing. 
Yeah, and I know you love to say with him it only takes one. And sure, I mean, he had one against Arizona for 59. But since then, he's actually been for ball. 102, 7 for 111, 5 for 114. Like the last two weeks, he's gotten you 20 and 18 and no touchdowns. He hasn't even scored and he's putting up big numbers. So if he finds his way into the end zone, I mean, the, he could have a gigantic game for you. On the other end, it's Demarius Thomas against Oakland, which, <laughs> because of the revolving door at quarterback, who knows what that's going to be. I, it, it, it's it's Oakland. Their secondary is not good. They're a good football team, but their secondary is their weakness. But I just don't know what they're going to do. Right. This, that guy who looks like Eric Decker could be <laughs> just hauling in. For those of you who don't haven't watched it, there is a giant white man who wears 87 for the Denver Broncos who looks exactly like Eric Decker. Yeah, it's like a it's like he's throwing it into a time machine. Yeah, so there's, I mean, this is just the weirdness that could be this game. I don't know what to expect. Bad offense. The other one, of course, is Adam Thielen. After his monster game last (laughs) weekend, now gets the Bears at home. I would have to think, as horrible as the Bears are, after watching that game, how is the game plan not put every single person on Adam Thielen and make anyone else beat you? That's I, that's the if you issue. look at this is why I own Thielen for a while is because like it was not his his explosiveness but he's had like his high before that was a twenty seven and then everything else is a 10, 12, 13, 13, 16, 17. that's not in order but that's just basically it and then he had the fifty I he just I I don't know that you're going to be been a very consistent 50. receiver this he season. has been but I like him more for thirteen or fifteen yeah he broke out week seven or I'm sorry week five against Houston when you he had that 27 as you mentioned and then after a couple of bad weeks since week nine he's been everywhere between 10 and 17 points then in week 15 against Indy he got hit early and taken out of the game and Charles Johnson took over his role in the number two receiver position and had basically a Adam Thielen-like game with five catches for 60 yards, I believe, something like that. Yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, some, and so again, another 11-point fantasy day. And then this past week against Green Bay, 12 for 202 with two touchdowns. And the two touchdowns were both long touchdowns that he just broke free. And it yeah. just got to the point where the Packers were up so big that the Vikings were passing it nonstop. They abandoned the run entirely. And uh, Adam Thielen and Sam Bradford were just in rhythm. I don't think they're going to have the same scenario this week with the Bears being (laughs) up big and the Vikings throwing it a ton. In fact, it may be the other way. It may be the Vikings winning and running the ball a bunch and not getting the passing game much involved. That being said, I still, like you said, like him for about 13 points. That's typically where he's been. And I will say week eight on that Monday night game, for no reason, on Halloween against the Bears, he had three for 40, just seven points. Yeah, that was the game that Stephon Diggs, I was going to bring this up, that was the game Stephon Diggs caught that touchdown at the end. I remember that game because it was a shocker. So I was going to bring it up for Jordan Howard, that it's like, well, you wouldn't like the matchup very much against Minnesota, but he destroyed Minnesota the last time they played. Right. So I'm not necessarily expecting that again, but I'm not too upset about the matchup with Jordan Howard. He's been so good at this point that it's like, you know what, I can't really justify not playing him. Fedorowicz on the other end for Kevin yeah. at tight end, that's the guy for him uh, in in Houston. That's the check down. That's Tom Savage's safety blanket. Are they? Is he going to play the whole game, you think? I would assume. Yeah, okay. I don't see why not. Sort of makes sense. And I the projection here is for eight points. So 
it's not like you're expecting the world out of C.J. Fedorowicz. I think that that's reasonable to eight points, and I think he could maybe get higher than that if he finds the end zone in the red zone, especially if it's Alfred Blue again, and they do sit Lamar Miller like I believe they will. And like you said, I agree with that, because they've pretty much just about said that. If you read between the lines on what they've been saying about Lamar Miller, it really is shaping up like I don't think he's going to play this game. The issue is Travis Kelsey, who almost single-handedly beat Kevin last week with his 37 He's now the number one tight end in fantasy this season. He had 11 for 160 and a touchdown, a very long touchdown. So, I mean, this guy... Say what you want about that Denver Bronco elite secondary. They could not... Who knew TJ Ward was so involved in that kind of thing? Because he didn't play that game, and you could tell. Yeah, these these two teams are bookending the season. Uh, They have not played since week one when Kelsey was six for 74 for 13 points. The score this past week was only the fourth time all season, though, that Kelsey managed to get into the end zone. And it was only the sixth time he managed to go over 100 yards. So it was kind of the perfect storm. It was his first uh, game of the year with double-digit receptions. It was actually a career high his 11 receptions. He went all kinds of crazy against that Denver defense. I don't expect the same. I think he'll have a decent game, but you're looking more of the 10 to 15 range as opposed to the gigantic 37 he had. Yeah, they've got him for about 15, and I think that's probably right, because I bet you he scores in this game. Would not shock me at all to watch him catch a little three-yard touchdown at the beginning of the game and then get like 15 points by the time it's all done. In the classic Week 17 dilemma that everybody seems to have, the flex position is what (laughs) makes it interesting. It's Zeke against Fitzgerald Toussaint. And let me repeat that for you. That is Fitzgerald Toussaint. He is the backup running back for Pittsburgh, who will get the start against Cleveland with no Le'Veon Bell. So the dilemma that Kevin has is, do you want to play one of the gentlemen on your bench, Or do you want to play one half of Zeke Elliott? And I think you have more upside and potential in one half of Zeke Elliott than anybody he currently has rostered on his bench. Yeah, that's what's frustrating, is that ordinarily I'd say, no, you definitely do not want to play Ezekiel Elliott here, because it makes no sense for him to play the whole game. And you look at his other options, though, and it starts to kind of fall into place. Like, you could play Michael Crabtree, you ordinarily would be, but not with Matt McGloin against Denver. No. So again, his other options would be Crabtree with the backup quarterback against Denver. Sammy Watkins with the backup quarterback against the Jets. If you want to call E.J. Manuel the backup quarterback, that's well, your opinion. Well, technically he is. <laughs> I mean, <if> you... <laughs> yeah. Then uh, Emmanuel Sanders with the revolving quarterback tree over there. And this is what I would also normally want to do against yeah. Oakland. I'd have zero problem with this. I'd be like, all right, Emmanuel, get in there, buddy. We're just going to play both sides of these matchups against for a title. That's what we're going to do. I'm gonna. That's what we would end up with. But man, that revolving door. I'd watch that situation and see if you could figure out some something about it because that would be my fallback position. If not, Ezekiel Elliott is playing a manual. Kenny Britt going up against Patrick Peterson and the Cardinals. Don't like that. <sighs> really. Tyler Boyd, who has been non-existent against the Ravens D. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah, you don't want that. And then he picked up Darren McFadden. Right, which makes sense. I say they both play one half. I say Zeke starts the game, and then depending on score, he probably exits at halftime, and McFadden plays the second half. Best case scenario, if you're lucky. But yeah, then McFadden's going to get the second half, probably being spelled with Alfred Morris at little points. And my argument is, if Zeke breaks one 45-yard touchdown, that's an 11-point play for you. So 
it's worth the risk to play him because I think he's got more upside than anybody you've got going on your bench. But he's carried you so yeah. far at this point that it's such a tragedy to not play him in the last week. For me, like I said, it's it's either that or you're playing Emmanuel Sanders. I, I cannot justify playing Michael Crabtree or Sammy Watkins. It's the, it's the uh, last dance of the night. It's, you might as well dance with the girl to brush. Yeah. So I could, the only other option I could see is Emmanuel Sanders, and I don't feel great about it. But, yeah, I could, it, it's such a strong argument. So I wish you luck in that decision, Kevin. Uh, th- those are the two options that I think make any sense at all. Defensively, he's got the Chiefs against San Diego or the Ravens against Cincy. I feel like you can't go wrong either way there. But he's playing the Chiefs right now, and that makes sense because the Chiefs have everything to play for. Yeah. And again, as we've mentioned, who's going to run the ball for San Diego? Who's still out there at this point for that team? So I like that call with the Chiefs. And then McManus has been good for him all season. Mentioned Toussaint on the other side. You're against Cleveland. The issue for me is that's going to be a low-scoring close game. I don't know how effective he's actually going to be. Yeah, I, I this is the it's an interesting ha- decision to have to make here with Fitzgerald Tucson. Hey, the they dice been cast. For, it's a roll yeah, of the dice. Exactly. They have him projected for 16.2. Oh, it's so high. Which is just so high for me. And his other options for the record, I think realistic options would be Jordan Matthew, Matthews if he's going to play. But that plays into my pigskin pick thing. I would never be playing Macklin, so we'll write that off. We already mentioned Gordon out and Langford against Minnesota makes no sense. Your home run swing is Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, it's Taylor Gabriel if you want to swing for the fences. Ronnie Hillman if you feel like you have to get something because he's going to get the most touches out of any of that. Besides maybe Fitzgerald Tucson, it's kind of the same thing there. And then Jordan Matthews if he plays, but he didn't practice Wednesday, so I, I don't know. It's still a long way away. Like I said, I just don't trust that offense this week with everybody out, with them not really caring about that game one way or another. And you're relying on a running back who has 11 career rushes coming into this. I mean, it's not not the ideal situation you want to be in in the championship, but here we are. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Would you play one of his bench players over Fitzgerald Toussaint? Uh, I'm leaning towards I would probably play Jordan Matthews if he does go, simply because he has the upside. That's my theory. They're going to play that whole game. Yeah. They're playing for pride, and as a receiver... He gets the touches. He does get a ton of targets on that roster. It's just, can he play, and what are you going to get out of him when he does? I'm probably not going to play Taylor Gabriel. I think I'm probably going to play Jordan Matthews, and then it probably is Fitzgerald Tucson after that, to be honest. Uh, Like I said, it all depends on how you feel about the matchup, because according to the preview, he is favored 131 to 120, basically, because of the home field advantage and all that. So it's an 11-point game, essentially, and if it was reversed, if you were Kevin, and you were deciding Taylor Gabriel's your home run swing you're looking for one guy that could go from a five-point projection and leap up to a 15 or a 20 with a big play that's Taylor Gabriel yep because he's a gadget guy who gets one or two catches a game he's the Sean Jackson from like the beginning that is correct that are screen passes that he tries to run in and basically they use it like a punt return on a pass yeah or they hand it off to him, like Tyreek Hill, yep. and uh, you know he and runs when it works, it, it works. He used to do it in Cleveland too. He's gone, so it's so there again, for he's you. The boomer bust guy. I mean, the weeks when they really didn't have Julio at their disposal, he had 16, 18, 16, 26, then nine against Kansas City, 19 against LA, 15 against San Fran, and then just four last week against Carolina because of the return of Julio. So again, against New Orleans, a weak defense, and, and a guy that could be. A 
a boom guy for you, but could also flop and fall on his face. If you were swinging for the fences, he's probably the guy I'd go with. But given that he's projected to win, you're just looking for consistent point totals. I'd probably stick with what you got. It's close though. Yeah. So so basically, you're you're siding with with what I was saying. Yeah. You're gonna play Matthews or Fitzgerald Tucson. It's yeah. one of those two, real realistically. It's 131 to 120 is the projection right now, and part of that is the 16 points for Fitzgerald Tucson. And I yeah. just don't know if he can actually get there. Because, again, the whole argument last week was, oh, I mean, it's Kenneth Farrow. He hasn't looked good, but it's, hey, it's anybody against Cleveland. And here we are again in the same exact boat he was in last week, just playing anyone against Cleveland, and we'll see if it'll pay off this time. It would be right up there with, like, a Bryce Brown victory for a title. <laughs> right up there with just it. Just about, yeah. Yeah, thanks for re- reminding me of that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, got to, got to, yep. got to get Gotta at least one of those. Dig that knife just for no reason. <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, Brian is smiling somewhere. That's the not the person who would get that reference. No, I know it was yeah. Eric, but Eric's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric gave up. Gave up on you this a long time really ago. You want to get really technical about yeah. it like this? <laughs> Assuming he ever listened, yeah, uh-huh. he gave up on this a long time ago. But yes, one way or another, we will crown a champion next weekend. We will know who wins the Lottery Cup. We'll have the final standings from the season. We'll announce the awards. We'll uh, we'll recap the final pigskin pick'em, see how everybody finished in that, and uh, recap what's been a very entertaining season. <sighs> it's been... Oh, I've got so much to talk about in group. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The the, uh, the help group is the, the support group for you. Well, it's a good thing that they meet on you know Mondays, so we can just get this through here. And uh, it's been a while. Yeah, we've been saying at least by next week officially we will have our first new champion in a long time. Yep, I got the trophy here, ready to be engraved, ready to be handed to somebody. We just gotta find out who that is. So, uh, until next week, one last show coming at you. Good luck to our four teams still playing. Good luck to anybody listening who might still be playing. And we will talk to everyone next week. Yep, have a good week. Spend your fab budget. (laughs) Had to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah.